You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. I mean, you've talked about this before. You've talked about the career leveling up. But if yeah. you had to advise somebody who was in this, like, say, 10 years before you hit your Phi number, what were the moves you were making 10 years ago? Just 10 years ago? That requires math. Okay. Like 10, 10, 10 years before my Phi number. Yeah. First, I went back to startups. Um, okay. I left a kind of early to mid-stage company and just took a sure thing. Not I left a, what some would say is a, you know, a very reasonable career. I was on a good trajectory, big, bigger company, and then went down the road to like a 20 person startup and, you know, was willing to take the risk, felt I had one more of those left in me and was like, well, you know, Lori and I talked about it a lot. Like, yeah, what the heck? This one could pay off. Like that could accelerate our goals. And, you know, uh, it didn't pay off like that way. <laughs> I mean, we did get sold. We did make a little money, but it was something that, you know, just helped, helped the 529, helped the, you know, we bought Laurie a hot tub. That was the big expense that, you know, so you can tell it's like Silicon Valley money, uh -huh. right? Yeah. I got me a coffee machine, but no, but you know, I think that was honestly, it was kind of a turning point because I was in one of those companies that like still had a pension before, like yeah, I could have yeah. just stayed there and done the thing and I was doing well, but you know, I, I went for the startup thing and I don't know, it, it changed me in a lot of ways. It helped me like really focus on like gr growth. Like how do I like continue to build skills even at this kind of midpoint in my career and like take more chances. And that job led me to like the big chance I took, which was, you know, hey, uh, you want me to take this additional role at the company? And I just kind of came up with what I needed to do that. And that included move me across the country to California, you know, increase my pay, increase my title. All those things together led me to the next kind of phase of growth of my career. And that was one that was a steeper trajectory than I had had before. So it's not like, yes, there's, there's strategy involved, like, hey, taking a chance here could pay out. But it wasn't like this awesome plan I architected to make it that much faster. It just ended up working out that way over time. Because I think, so. I mean, I, one of the reasons I ask is because I saw on one of our latest videos, you know, we were talking about Barista Fire as a, as a model. And yeah. you and I were kind of running the thought experiment. You know, would we choose to do it? And you made this distinction between choosing to do it and, um, you know, having to do it, you know. Yep. And I just thought it was interesting that some of the comments that we got in that where people were like, look, this is a real option for us reaching our oh, FI yeah. uh, because we don't make six figures like or combined as a couple, maybe we make six figures. And I, right. and I always think that's one of the things in the, in the fire movement that's talked about a lot. It's like, you know, Henry's right. High earner, not yet rich. Yeah. Not rich yet. Um, and this whole, like, well, you have to live in Silicon Valley to actually fire. I mean, what, right. what do you say to that? Well, I mean, I, I, first of all, I know the answer is no, you don't have to do those things. I mean, as you and I have talked about from our earliest episodes, right? We both started making under $30,000 a year and even scaled for inflation. It's still well below, you know, sort of what many people with a four year or a five year degree would earn. Um, we built our trajectories to where they got to today. Now, obviously, one of the biggest determinants of kind of what fire success looks like is relative to your salary is what are your expenses? 
going to be. If you're somebody that enjoys living a more modest life that, you know, many people would term it, you know, financially, that's what I mean by that. Well, lean fire can be an amazing option. And tons of people have done that on, you know, you know, average or below average for the U.S. salaries. So it's totally doable. Can everybody fat fire, right, and have multiple houses and live you know, this crazy life at age 35 by cashing out? Well, obviously, everybody can't do that. And you or I didn't do that either. Um, so I think in the end, it comes down to like, what do you want your life to look like after, you know, you deem yourself financially independent? And how can you achieve that? But that turning point for you was earning a lot more money. Well, it's actually the turning point wasn't immediately about earning a lot more money. Yes, I got a pay bump to, you know, take this job across the country yep. and take on more responsibility. That's but your expenses pretty, went way up, right? <laughs> they did. Yeah. yeah. And it, it took some real budget work on our part to convince ourselves that we weren't being crazy yeah. taking this job because our our geez, our, our rent versus our old mortgage was almost double <laughs> to move across the country. So obviously my that, pay yeah. did not increase at that rate. Um, it was more about this thing, like just it led to opportunity. So the first step was being willing to take the leap, right? To leave behind our friend groups, to move across the country from our family. And, you know, we knew that this was the time to do it. We had a a child that wasn't even in school yet or was very early in elementary school. Um, I'm not going to do that math right now. But, you know, it seemed if we're going to do this, let's do it now. So we did it. I really, you know, I think I got a lot out of that opportunity. I learned. I met really great people. I, my skills kind of went up and my pay did go up. But honestly, it just it put me on a course because the next job I took in California was the one I finished my career with. And that, you know, was another nice step up, another nice set of opportunities where I could kind of, you know, keep building and growing. And yes, my pay in the end did continue to increase on a ramp that was steeper than I had before. But honestly, the biggest parts of that were seizing opportunity, you know, yeah. leveraging the skills that apparently, you know, other people valued that I thought were worth taking gambles on, right? Again, leaving a sure thing to do something I had never done before at another startup. And, um, you know, just kind of following that dream of, you know, we at that time wanted to be done with the kind of corporate jobs by 52 was my target. Okay. Um, yeah. And that was still a ways off, right? So, you know, a lot could happen or not happen. And in the end, I, I was able to pull that date in almost five years um, because of, you know, just good fortune. The market did what it did and and my earnings did increase uh, and my savings rate increased. So, yeah, it's kind of the the uh, the space of opportunity that you put yourself into. Right. You yeah, were willing to put it. You were willing to take um, a different set of choices and sacrifices than I think a lot of other people were. And I mean, I wonder if that just applies in so many different places in the fire movement, you know, I mean, you can choose to yeah. double down on real estate. Like a lot, a lot of people do that. That's a different kind of risk, right? You can start your own sure. business, which is what is the, totally. that's the path that I chose. Um, but it does, you know, or you can try and level up you you took a big risk going working with a startup, you know, maybe it pays off, maybe it doesn't. And, and yeah. you, you had worked for startups before that definitely didn't pay off. Right? No, definitely. This, this was startup <laughs> number three. The first two didn't pay off at all. Yeah. So that, so I do feel like there is this kind of risk taking component. And I think some, sometimes that's, that's overlooked, especially when the, when you start talking about, you know, the, the different flavors of fire require different things. Right. Um, they do. And I think, you know, a lean fire, um, 
necessarily requires you pare down your expenses way back. But I think, you know, like you and I, for example, that that's not really that appealing to us. So we need to take a different set of actions, you know, like maybe you do need to start a business. Maybe you do need to get into rental real estate or, you know, consider that sort of leveling up of job positions, um, taking risks in different ways, earning more. I mean, you said it right off the bat, right? Like that's the fastest way to FI. It is right. And at the end of the day, you know, I'll, money coming at different rates affords you different things. And I think the, the reason that this idea that, well, it's all software engineers or other tech bros, if you will, that are <laughs> the face of fire is because some of them are doing things that are pretty remarkable and they make for great copy. Right. Some of them are earning high rates of pay. You know, we, we know people who are making two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars early in their career. Right. Not fairly young people, but they're also saving 60, 70 plus percent so that they can fire sooner than either of us were able to achieve. And so I think that makes for a pretty impressive story. And it's a reality for a portion of the fire community. But clearly, it's not even the majority, uh, at least from the my totally ad hoc, you know, anecdotal data from, you know, Reddit, from our show's audience, etc. Clearly, an awful lot of people are trying this path that are not making that are not commanding these insane rates of pay. And still, I mean, 47, 48 years old, 50 years old, 54, that's still quite a bit earlier retirement age than that's right. the standard 65 or 67. What's full retirement age now? 67 and a half? Yeah. That, yeah. Social security. 67. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 67. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, did you have mentors along the way that kind of helped you take some of these risks? Like did, cause I feel like, you know, when I was working in my, one of my architecture jobs back when I was living in Connecticut, I had friends around me who started to start their own businesses. Like they'd start with a little side hustle and then they kind of, they're like, Oh, you should, you should maybe look into doing some side work and then just transition yeah. to being on your own. And so I kind of had that model in my head and I saw friends of mine taking risks because it wasn't in, in my family's blueprint. Like we were all just employees. That's, that's the kind of, you know, right. narrative that we had, but did you have anyone who is modeling this behavior for you or? You know, honestly, when you say the word mentors, some very specific things come to mind, but but none of them are involved modeling the behavior that kind of I set my own path on. Yeah. I, there was no one that I was kind of following. I, I think it's a couple of things. Um, number one, for me, mentorship was more about like just people helping me understand how to be successful to help kind of, you know, how do you support people, uh, you know, to take risks in the type of work they do to not be afraid, you know, in those early years of career to put yourself out there, you know, to speak up, you know, to not be afraid of making mistakes when you're new. And that did help me grow early in my career. These were like bosses that you had. Yeah, exactly. I've really lucked out a couple times um, in my life in terms of mentorship, you know, one would be in grad school. I had a really great advisor and the next would be one of the first bosses I had in my career. And I had a couple others later on who were maybe not quite at that level were also, you know, important models of just how to work and be successful. But none of them were doing the kind of thing I ended up doing. In fact, they're all still working, right? Even the ones that were much higher earners than me. Interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. These are people who are probably not going to stop until they have to. 
Um, so I would say if nothing else, like some of the people who I respected the most and who I learned the most from when they learned that this is what I was aiming to do when I finally disclosed it pretty much when I got there, um, some of them were pretty puzzled. Like, you know, <laughs> I saw you, they're like, oh, I saw you continuing to go like this. Like, why are you not, not just, I don't mean in dollars, but like, you know, in yeah. success and things like that. Right. And, right. and I said, yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's really kind, but I, this is a different kind of success. I had this goal. I wanted to do this thing. And Lori and I think we succeeded in it. So, yeah, no, nobody modeled this exact thing. I mean, I'll be totally honest with you. It wasn't until I shared, you know, when I basically when I was leaving my job that I had another colleague who I knew casually pretty well, but we weren't like best friends and we didn't work together every day disclosed to me like, hey, by the way, I'm doing the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> like he's like, I wish I knew you were doing this. It would have been great to talk to somebody yeah. all along the way. Still um, fire, we huh? keep in touch now. But like, I mean, I hadn't shared with anybody. I definitely didn't know anybody who did exactly the same thing. So, yeah, I think I was just doing a thing that we thought we wanted to do. And, uh, and it just remind me of that exact strategy, though. It's like bounce from job to job. Just keep continual to level up. Well, I think pretty early in my career, I figured out like a lot of people do, right? I don't think this is revolutionary thinking that, you know, every couple of years you really need to, especially early in your career, you need to move around. Yeah. Part of that is just getting good experience and not locking yourself in while you're still very much learning and growing. But the other is to advance your salary and to advance in title, especially in those early years when you're somewhat of an unproven entity, you have to be willing to move around. And Lori and I had decided from the beginning, and she was very supportive in all this, that we would do that. We were willing to do that. Number one, we just liked new learning new things being in new areas you know moving wasn't scary um you know even though we kind of stayed in the northeast us for most of those early years still we we didn't fear you know moving to new towns and new jobs and so that was kind of the nucleus of it and it, it wasn't until probably almost halfway through my career that i started sticking around longer and realized that you know i could pick up new roles in the same company but that would still allow me to grow as a person so that when i do leave the company now I have a springboard to, again, advance my salary and advance my title because I'd kind of proved to myself with people who already knew me in a new role, if that makes sense. If you hadn't done the startup route, where would you be on your fire path? Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often, we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Fi. You know, I, you know I, I'm someone, obviously, who, who believes that, you know, kind of we... We work out our path as we go. There's no, there's no sort of preordained path for me yeah, in this yeah. world. Yeah. But there have been so many decision points when I look back. I, I just I love doing this. You know, I'm a pretty nostalgic person, obviously, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? But I love looking back and thinking like, man, if I hadn't called that guy to go out to lunch, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have joined startup number one, and I would never have met you know Lori and you know all these kind of things. But I can do the same thing with kind of these career steps. So to like wonder where probably the earliest like it could have gone a different way would be like if I had just like gone to any four out of five of the top schools I was thinking about going to instead of where I went, <laughs> I would almost assuredly be a physician right now. It's like strange. I went to the one that like had the least likely path to medicine, even though that's what I said I wanted to do. And it just took me in this other direction. I, and I think for me, like the 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 biggest periods of growth and and 
for most of these, two out of three of these, it's not about money. The periods of growth came from being willing to try a startup. Yep. Right. And just seeing that like that fit me well, it was more to me, it was more exciting. I could wear a lot more hats. I had a much better chance to stand out and a much higher likelihood that you could at least percentage wise, if not actual dollars, increase your kind of, you know, salary range and title. Um, you know, it's just different at these small companies. And that fit yeah. me because I was willing to put in the time. I was excited about it. So it wasn't I didn't really view it as a trade off, even though I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing. <laughs> and I think it did. There are mind shifts in there. You know, once you get in and see that work can look like that, because every time to me, work started to stagnate or I felt like I wasn't growing, even if my salary was increasing, I moved on. And so I think maybe it's as much as one, honoring that feeling and and doing something about it when I felt it. And two, having a family, my wife, who supported me in advancing my career. And she even said to me at one point, when, you know, that after that pivot point that we started with, you know, we were talking about how much I was traveling. And it was really difficult because, you know, we had, like you did, you know, a toddler at home at the time. And, you know, I was really feeling bad that I was traveling so much. And Lori was like, look, we we decided this was our path and because you can far out earn me on the trajectory you're on and this is what we're going to do. It's going to suck sometimes, but it's going to be great most of the time and we're going to work through this together. And if it's not working, we'll do something different. Yeah. And so if I hadn't had that, I mean, obviously <laughs> my path would have been different. I would have stayed at one of these other jobs that I enjoyed. Maybe they didn't have the same fulfillment and certainly not the same advancement possibility, but I would have just continued on in one of these other roles. I wouldn't have gone to another startup. I would have stayed with the big company and the sure thing and the pension. Yeah. And I'm sure that would be fine. Um, would you still be working? Not, yeah, 100%. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would. I, I, I think I would have to. You know, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to answer that because in our, you know, late 20s, when we really crystallize this plan of, you know, we don't want to do this thing working for other people in the corporate world forever, we were thinking much more lean fire. We were like, well, you know, like Lori always says, we'll go live on a, in a hut on St. Lucia and sell fish. You know, at the time we meant that, right? In our late 20s. We were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like we love traveling. We I don't can believe it now. Be pretty, but we, we at the time were convinced ourselves, that's what I'm saying, that it's legit. I'm not saying if today at 49, almost 50, if I was still working, that I would say, you know, I am comfortable with that lifestyle. Let's let's just do that. Let's right. pull the trigger now, because um, our our needs changed, our wants more importantly changed, and you know, I suspect I would, you know, be kind of moving on, trying to advance in my ways, but maybe just not. There wouldn't have been the startups along the way. I wouldn't have pushed as aggressively. It's kind um, of but I, I would still be working. It's kind of interesting to think about that uh, in terms of like a. You know, if you think about your salary kind of going like this over time, right? And, yeah. and I know you and a lot of people have this strategy where you're going to, you know, move in places of employment to try and level up your salary. Yeah. Obviously, more than you're going to get a sort of cost of living raise or a performance bonus bump or something like that. Um, but over time, your lifestyle is also inflating. You're, you're getting older. You have different yeah. travel wants and needs. I mean, we've talked about that before. And even if it's not like uh, an exact corollary between what you're getting for raises and the lifestyle increase, the inflation there, yeah. you're still looking toward a much bigger 
pot of money, right? In the end, a, a bigger yeah. fire number naturally. And I think, totally. you know, without changing that, that curve, you know, you're not going to get there any faster. I just think it's, it's yeah. an interesting thing, thing to think about. I remember working, you know, this, the firm that I worked in before I started my business, I remember looking, it was open books. So we knew what everyone was making. We knew what the partners were making. Yeah. We knew what all of everyone who was sitting in the room was making. And I remember looking at how much more the partners were making and thinking, wow, <laughs> like yeah. this just does not seem fair. But I never really had that light bulb moment until we had, you know, this economy was grinding to a halt here and they were, you know, cutting our pay. I never really had that light bulb moment. It's like, that could be me in that chair. That could be me you know, take, I'm taking all the risk. So yeah, there should be a higher reward. And yeah, there's a risk premium. Yeah. Just like in stock market. Right. And, but I, it's just funny that I'd really, I mean, I wasn't someone who would like skip jobs to level up my salary. Cause I was looking for what kind of work and projects do, do I want to be involved in? And right. you know, when you live in an area like I do, this is a low cost of living area. There's not like there's not like 15 places that I can just sell myself, shop myself around to, you know, right. it's not like I'm going to be making a 50% salary increase by moving from one firm to another. It's just not going to yeah. happen. And so like, you got to make, it's a different set of decisions that led me to even be able to contemplate yeah. this. You know, if I, like you, I would not be looking at the horizon of Phi if I didn't make a pretty big change 10 years ago. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's an excellent point. And I, and I think that, you know, this idea of geography and proximity to certain things that are important to you, whether it's a, a location or whether it's people, family, whatever, it doesn't get talked about that much. And I, I will freely admit that I've been guilty of forgetting that it's not reasonable for anybody to follow the same path that I did. Like they, they're just unable to relocate across whatever country they live in. You know, they may have other responsibilities that they have to take care of. They may have other wants and yeah, that, yeah. No. you know, we all have things that can limit us. I wasn't saying it as a criticism. I was, Oh just, no, no, you know, no. I didn't yeah. take it that way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's funny, you know, I, I remember when I moved, cause you know, we lived in the same area in Maine for th for three years. I lived in the same area. And I, when I moved there, it was an earnest decision to like, I want life to look more like this. Yeah. 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 But you know, three years later, and, and the main reason we moved was because we had an infant and wanted to be closer to family, but close behind it was like, I was itching to do something much more aggressive yeah. in work. You know, I had taken, I was already like pushing the job that I took in Maine as hard as I could, right? <laughs> I, I was hired to do one thing to oversee five people. And suddenly two years later, I had, you know, 30 people or 20 some people. And I was, you know, able to contribute in more ways. Like I was still pushing myself to like do these things, but I was trying to make something that it wasn't, I think, when I reflect on it. But so for me, clearly, I was pretty hardwired into wanting a certain work experience to get me to my goals, even though I honestly had thought that you know, I was ready to kind of ease ease off that a little bit. I guess it turned out I wasn't. It, some of us maybe maybe were just wired that way, and that's a that that makes that kind of fit of fire mentality in that one way. Whereas there are many other ways it could fit too. But for me, that was I don't know my path. I wonder where the retire early piece fits in to the whole, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, yeah. late twenties, you're like, Oh, I, you know, I could see retiring early, but you, yep. for a lot of people, I think they get into these high paying, high stress jobs. You know, we're talking about, okay, if you're getting to five faster, you're naturally taking more risks maybe, and yeah. it's a more stressful situation. And that, 
comes along with maybe the desire to not do that for two, for a very long period of time. Yeah. Does doesn't sound like it was really like that for you though. Well, it's an interesting question and you might get different answers if you ask me or you ask Lori, <laughs> because when, uh, I mean, and I'm being completely honest, when Lori and I would talk about, you know, how things were going, how I was feeling about work or whatever. I mean, Lori would very frequently come back to the point where she doesn't want me to, you know, work like this forever. Um, wants me to, to get us to this point where we can live the kind of life we want to live without this constant pressure of work. Because, you know, like many people, I ended up in the kind of jobs that there weren't around the clock. And I'm not asking you to feel bad for me. I'm just saying this was what it was. You know, you're always on the phone. There's always texts coming in. There's pretty, I, by the end of the end of the thing, I was making pretty high stress decisions with, with frequency. Right. Um, and so even if you thrive in that environment, it takes a toll on you. It, it wears you down in a lot of ways. So I think for Lori, she was psyched to get me to a point where I didn't need to or want to do that anymore. I didn't feel the need for me. It was more like, yes, I have enjoyed this. There's lots of great stuff, but it's also, it's a lot. I've been doing it for a long time and I would love to like open up all that space for other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think for me, you know, it's the, it's the from versus two thing, right? Retiring from versus retiring to, yeah. I think Lori was a lot more, you know, her, her balance for me tilted more towards the, let's get, get that from stuff out of here and get, you know, more towards the two where I was like, I'm all about the two from's not so bad, but yeah, it's pretty tedious sometimes. Let's, let's get that behind. <laughs> so maybe our balance was different and you know, yeah. we all, all partners are like this with each other. I mean, we have a lens on each other's world and what we think is good for you and what we think is challenging for you. I'm sure you and Laura are no different, but yeah, I mean the, the whole RE thing is such a huge topic and it gets, I think it gets, it gets more like, pithy little comments on Reddit and, you know, on comments in our videos than anything. I mean, I can't count the number of times I've literally read the phrase. It's all about the FI. I don't really care about the RE. Uh -huh. Like it's a, it's an interesting concept, right? Because people get fulfillment and enjoyment from work, whatever work is. And so many people, especially earlier in their career, can't imagine you see that phrase, can't imagine not working. I could, I could absolutely imagine not working. The older <laughs> and older I got, the more I could imagine not working. But again, you know, I've talked about it a million times, right? I wasn't, and you're not, on this trajectory to like, you know, sit on uh, sit on a bench outside the cabin and whittle all yeah, day, yeah. right? There's tons of stuff we want to do and travel and whatever. And that was really it for us. That's what we wanted to get to in the end. And we definitely, Lori and I absolutely agreed on that. That's the goal. The RE part for me is... Uh getting rid of all those things that you were just talking about, that interaction you had with you between you and Lori, like I'll be stressed about something for work and it, it, it impacts me very, um, it takes a strong physical toll on me. Like yeah. that's how it manifests for me. So I won't sleep. Um, you know, just be feeling yeah. sick, not feeling ill. Um, unmotivated. Um, and the, I mean the most, the most striking way that it kind of shows up is just me not sleeping. So I'll go to bed 11 and I'll be awake at two 30 and like on my phone and just like grinding that kind of stuff. And so when I think about the things that I want to lose about the job that I've created for myself, it's all the things that occupy that headspace and yeah. not all the stuff like this morning I spent, you know, a couple hours just 
getting into some AI stuff with architecture. And I was like absorbed, like completely consumed with it and, and just seeing all these possibilities. And to me, that's like this, that space of opportunity that we were talking about earlier, you know, like you want to keep opening these doors and and finding new rooms to go into that are exciting and that kind of pull you forward. And, and it's less about the retire early, (laughs) Yeah. aspect of, of losing all the things that interest me creatively and more about just the, okay, get rid of all of that, you know, that 10% of things that I'm doing right now that I just, that are just eating me from the inside. You yeah, know? that's right. And I, I mean, I, I actually, I think it's awesome that you state the percentage that way. Right. Cause I think for a lot of people, especially oh, people yeah. who aren't self-directing, right. They might view that as 30% or more. And I, I, I know I always felt that way, but that's, well, it oscillates, man. I mean, yeah, honestly, of course. You know, yeah. I mean, there, there's some weeks where it's, it's 90%, yeah. you know, and th- it's those That's weeks <laughs> that where I'm not sleeping and, you know, you right. and I have had uh, back and forth about that. Like, Oh, I can't record this week. I got too much going on here, yeah. And, yeah. you know, fighting those fires. So I'm not, and I'm not like pretending like, um, I'm a special flower here by any no, means. No, I'm not taking know. it that way. Yeah. But, um, I, I, truth. I do know people who are, yeah, they're massively struggling and, and just say like, yeah, RE is the goal, man. <laughs> I can't wait to not be working. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Fi path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. I mean, and maybe it's, you know, I mean, some of it just could be very worldview driven, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm my, my leanings are very heavily existentialist, right? I, 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 we have this existence to do with it, what we desire to do with it. And so for me, it's as much about just directing that time for whatever the duration I get is versus somebody else directing it. Yes. And for sure, the higher I rose in the ranks, the more I was in charge of my time and when I was traveling and when I was dealing with customers and whatever, I still had a boss, of course. But even though that got better in many respects, it's still at the behest of someone else. There's still always people signing the check and telling you where the priority is. And I didn't want that anymore. And I think that's why you know, but on the flip side, a lot of people struggle with that decision because, you know, if you're getting you're getting compensated and often highly compensated once you reach our age, um, if you've stayed in a field and, you know, advanced. And so walking away from that is hard. But honestly, by the last couple of years, that was not the difficulty that I thought it would be because I was more like we just talked about. I was eager about the like the retiring too about directing what I was doing, even if I didn't have a, you know, a, a perfect plan about what that looked like. It was just such an exciting idea that that's the thing that drove me to, to not really question it. Seeing how, um, happy you are having retired. I wonder what that happiness level would be had you not discovered the kind of fire movement or kind of done what done what you have done so far. So in this scenario, did I still decide to stop working or do you mean like no, that, if I'd never really, yeah. if I just stayed? You're still working, don't really have enough to support yourself, you know, long term, right. just kind of working the job. I mean, do you think you'd find some baseline level of happiness that's about the same as where you're at now? Or is it I, like, are you I, just fundamentally happier having done this? I think I'm just differently happy, honestly. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to say, and I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to, you know, incorrectly weight this one way or the other, but I think while I've had stressful, like, like many or most people jobs and periods of time, even at the happiest jobs, I think on net, I was able to keep myself employed in ways that felt fulfilling to me, exciting, interesting, right? Working in science and biotech was, you know, the field was always changing. There's always new technology. That stuff keeps me going. And knowing that it, especially in the latter years of my career, that has direct benefit on human health was like very, very rewarding. Um, so I'm sure I would still be happy, right? I was happy working with the people I did and the, the work we got done. So yeah, sure. I'd be happy if I'd never discovered this path. It would just be, I would be on the normal path because I wouldn't know there was anything otherwise. I mean, you know, Lori and I, well before just, you know, well before we'd heard of fire or this community or maybe the word hadn't even been termed yet. I have no idea. Um, we knew we wanted to get to a different point. Um, and I think we would have got there. I believe we would have got there irrespective of the tools we now know about and, you know, all of that. I mean, I was you know, mid career or late career working with financial advisors with a stated goal yeah, yeah. to get to this point. But yeah, I don't know. I was uh, thinking about it uh, in the context of um, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, because that was a book that like that made a big difference in my life. Yeah. And it, it changed my how I saw business and and building a, a life of my own. And that was probably 10, 12 years ago that I read that. And um you know, he talked about this concept of mini retirements yes, in there absolutely. and dream lines. And for me, that was the kind of first inkling that, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I could do something a little bit different. So I wonder if you wouldn't have just stumbled onto it naturally anyway, yeah. you know, just knowing that, okay, you were planning to maybe not work forever, but you didn't have a full, fully formed idea or picture of what that looked like. That's I wonder, a great point. Yeah. yeah. I wonder um, your connection to professional colleagues, like once you left the workplace, did, did, are you still friends with them? This is a big one for me. It's been one of the biggest kind of letdowns, honestly, yeah. you know, and it's hard. And I had a couple, you know, double whammies in here, right? I moved away. I moved three hours away from a yeah. very large number of people who I worked with, who knew well, and many of which, whom were certainly friends, but there's something very real about leaving a job and even though there's people who you see daily, maybe multiple times a day, maybe you go out to lunch with a couple times a month and, you know, casually you meet up and, you know, I'm not saying you're like the best of friends and your wives hang out and all that. But, you know, you, in my mind, you're close enough. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of that goes away yeah. when you don't have that collision factor. And there were people, you know, especially during lockdown, right, which is when I during COVID lockdown is when I stopped working. Um, you know, we were texting still. In the beginning, like we worked together, many of these people, not all of them. And that was cool. It was nice to stay in touch. Um, even had a couple of Zooms with some of them. But I'll tell you, it wasn't long before I felt like my texts were not being answered anymore. You know, the emails were getting shorter, you know, responses, things like that. And I don't think it's because I'm that horrible of a person. I think it's just they got other <laughs> no, stuff are. going on. Yeah, I am. I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> so lest, lest anyone be fooled. Who would listen to this conversation? Yeah, I'm just awful. But I mean, it's, I'm, but it's weird, man. There are people I saw daily. There are people who sat feet away from my office who I had to we had to walk by each other constantly. So we're always just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever. And a lot of that just went away. Yeah. And, you know, it's an easy opportunity for somebody to say, like, well, that's when you find out who your true friends are. 
But I'm seriously like your true friends are not in question, right? We will drive three hours to see each other. We'll get on the phone like you and I live across the country from each other. Even without the show, we would, you know, try to stay in touch. But I'm talking about like people at work who you're their colleagues, but you're you feel pretty close to over the years. When I was at my last job six years, I knew a lot of those people the whole time. Yeah. Most of them are gone. Yeah. You know, I stopped texting them because I was wasn't getting responses. Uh Discussions about meeting up never came to fruition. And I was probably maybe I was more disappointed in that than a lot of people would be just because I value those personal connections so much and probably too much, honestly. Um, but, you know, it was a it was a thing that I really I I I don't dwell on it daily, Eric, but I think about it and I thought about it a lot in the first year. Yeah, it makes you it does make you question like, OK, well, were there motivations just because I was their boss or, you know, I had I had some kind of leverage, you know, that they could possibly, you know, use while we were working together. I mean, that's that's the way I would frame it. You know, oh, I thought I, some of that I definitely thought. And I actually yeah. started like making lists of people who I thought that might be true. Right. Because <laughs> oh, I was I mean, I was on the president's staff in my last job. So there were there were really I, there were my peers and then there was, you know, somebody above me. And that was it. Yes. So maybe yeah. some of those people, especially, you know, kind of earlier career people I didn't know as well. But we were kind of, you know, I don't know, chummy. Yeah, I think some of them was probably like, well, maybe I can leverage this. OK, I get it. And good on them for being opportunistic. But. <laughs> There are some other people who are maybe, you know, I was thought I was closer to, but yeah, yeah no, I, I give credit to that thought. That is, that is probably valid for a portion of them. I watched this, uh, someone made a recommendation in our latest video to go check out this guy who was uh, doing coast fi younger guy was a teacher for, I don't know, eight or nine years and then yeah. decided he had enough. And, uh, I think his YouTube channel is called chase juggler or something like that. And it was one of the things that he brought up as one of the real disappointments of Phi was he lost a whole group of what he considered to be really close friends and, you know, teachers, obviously you're, you know, good, good friends, right? You're all in this yeah. together. And yep. it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that it's different for you, but you know, as a teacher, there's a pretty, you know, democratic, uh, line of, of friends next to you. And, you know, he was yeah. like, look, I stopped working. And I, he, he actually expressed very similar sentiments as you. It was like, I was trying to meet up with these people. I was texting them. I was even taking off on weekends, you know, not just to try and align schedules. Cause I knew they had weekends off and he's like, it, the friendships just faded really a lot faster than what he expected. And yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a thing. I mean, and I think on the positive side, like there are very few cases where I would say I sensed any kind of like weird feelings or resentment because they now know that this is what I did. Right. Cause when I left the company, I didn't say, you know, the, the letter about me didn't say he's retiring. Right. Right. It said, you know, his family's moving to a new area. They're, you know, whatever, seeking new opportunities, start a new business. Or I forget how it was worded. But pretty quickly, word gets around, right? YouTube, <laughs> et cetera. YouTube, yeah. Start a YouTube channel on it. Yeah. <laughs> start a YouTube channel. Tell the world what you're really doing. Um, you know, there were a couple that reacted weird. And I'm sure that drew even some people in, in closer friendship circles. Right. Are they but giving I us bad reviews on our podcast? Is that, is that who we can may, maybe find? those are the two bad reviews we've had. So, uh, this is a good, good reminder. When you leave those positive reviews, it just dilutes out the two bad ones we've had and that we still fixate on. <laughs> totally unjustified. <laughs> I mean, one of them was wholly unjustified. <laughs> the other one was probably my fault. So. Not a good look, guys. <laughs> Not a good look. <laughs> <laughs>
reminder, this is a podcast and YouTube show on financial independence. So yes, we are going to talk about money. <laughs> we are. And, and I think we have acknowledged privilege in many ways over time and all. Yeah. What else can we do? <laughs> Fastest way to fight, Jay. Become VP of a biotech company in the Bay Area, right? Uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt. But it's all that stuff to get you there that is not necessarily recommended. But, you know, a pretty, pretty interesting path. What's your common sense advice for someone trying to get to FI faster? Don't be afraid to take risks in the workplace to advance yourself and grow your career, grow your abilities just to make you stand out. And don't don't be afraid to stand out. I'm not going to sit here. This is not an anti anti work rant saying you have to work 80 hours a week to succeed, but find ways to stand out and be just always the person that they think of for this latest assignment. Um, you know, you want to advance and many people are very, very capable of it. I also know that focusing so much on getting there faster, which I'm totally guilty of, <laughs> and especially maybe like a year ago, I had this like crazy intense focus on it. Um, it, it can actually blind you to just living life, enjoying the journey. Yeah. You know, you can't always predict, you know, where you're going to be, what your path is, what doors will open, what opportunities will be presented. And right. I like this idea of, you know, being willing to take risks and put yourself out there and, and do things that others aren't willing to do. Um, but I also know that, um, you know, not everybody is, has the ability to level up, start your own business, you know, take a big financial risk in investing in something, um, whether that's uh, real estate or, you know, something else. Um, so I, I do, do I, I like thinking about this as a process, you know, just think, I do too, you know, repeatedly doing us taking a set of disciplined actions uh, to kind of continually improve. I couldn't have said it better. I think the only thing I would add that's something we've discussed before is my favorite thing about the fire path and why I'm so excited that 20 somethings, even younger know about this is you are taking deliberate steps to control your financial life, irrespective of what that slope looks like, when you're going to get to whatever number you want to get to. The fact that people are so conscientious about their rate of spending, their rate of saving tax I you know, tax topics that I had no idea about at those ages, it's only going to help you get to wherever you want to go. And I think that's just such a powerful thing. Amen. Good luck to all of you. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. <laughs>